Welcome to the Light Shine Church Sermon Podcast. I'm organizing pastor Rob Douglas, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to our weekly message. And good morning, everybody. Um, Today, well, today is the day. Today is my last day as the resident at Light Shine Church. So, um, yeah, sad day for me. Maybe not for some of you. Maybe maybe for some of you. I don't know. It depends. Maybe you're excited. Um, but uh, I, I'm leaving. And um, before I get into my message, I just want to um, communicate and relay how much this community has impacted me and my family so very deeply. Um, and I would like first to thank uh, the leaders, um, especially Rob, uh, who isn't here right now, and I'll never forgive him for that, but uh, uh, he's gonna listen to this later. So um, I, I thank you, Rob, for truly being an incredible example of what a church leader should look like. You're a man full of integrity and honesty and warmth and authenticity and so much love, and it truly has inspired me to be a better person and leader. Jeff, thank you, man, for being such a warm and friendly friend and reaching out um, to get lunch with me in San Clemente and my crazy kids while my wife was at work and chased my three kids around um, Ballpark Pizza. Uh, That was a good time, and I look forward to hanging out soon. And then, Dustin, thank you for always encouraging me every time I got off uh, from preaching, giving me a fist bump. And uh, yeah, man, you're just a, a stand-up dude with a really good heart, man. Appreciate you a lot. And Shay, thank you for taking care of my kids when they came up. They're crazy. And definitely preaching better sermons in less than five minutes than any of us could possible. So you got fire in you, and I love that. And then Jen, thank you and your family um, for sending me so much encourage, encouragement after preaching and, and loving on me and my family. You're a great and gifted leader and preacher, but uh, you don't need, need me to tell you that. So thank you. Thank you all, all Light Shine Church for truly reflecting what a loving and caring God-centered community looks like. You've all left a lasting mark on me and my family. So thank you guys. You will be missed, but I might be back soon. We'll see. Uh, but today, today we continue our series on the Lord's Prayer. And I received the portion on the kingdom, the kingdom of God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which is actually not in Luke. That part's not in Luke. It just says your kingdom come. It doesn't have your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's in other gospels. But if you're a nerd like me, or if you have a master's in divinity or theology, you would know that um, it is actually in some of the manuscripts for Luke. So I'm going to include that in my text because I think it's, it's nice and, and it, it, it goes together. Those things are not separate. Your kingdom come and your will being done. Those are uh, the same thing. Um, but every once in a while, you get a text as, as someone who's preaching for some reason or another that correlates directly with what is happening in your life. And this usually makes it extremely or just a lot easier, at least for me to come up in front of a group of people and honestly proclaim something I've learned that I think is worth passing along to other humans. So before I get into all that, I want to share something with you that is vulnerable 
that is honest and that is open. Um, and I know some, some preachers will say that to try to hook you in, uh, but this is, this is real. This is the real deal. But as most, uh, most of you guys know, I've shared with you in the past um, that I have a past of addiction issues. Ten years ago, I had a spiritual experience and was able to give up my, my power that I was clinging on to to a higher power. And the result was I was able to escape the prison of heroin addiction, which is a sheer miracle, right? Because to give you uh, a little bit of an idea, if you don't know, heroin addiction, the recovery rate is, is pretty insane. I think it's around 99% um, of heroin addicts relapsed within the first five years. So somehow, for whatever reason, I was able to beat that statistic. So on August 17, 2010, I quit drinking, I quit heroin, I quit all drugs. Now for the honest part. But just before I started Lightshine Church, my wife and I started to talk about uh, the possibility of me drinking again, right? Since my real issue wasn't, wasn't alcohol, my real issue was heroin. So we thought, well, maybe I could have, you know, pretty, I have a pretty good head on my shoulders now and, and maybe I can enjoy drinking. You know, I have, it, I have it all figured out now, right? I'm a pastor, I have kids, I got married, I'm a, I'm a good bloke, so let's, let's go for it. So we got a bottle of wine one night after that discussion and my wife and I decided to have a glass or two of wine as we put together Ikea bookshelves, which I would highly recommend always having some sort of alcoholic beverage when putting together any Ikea product because um, it's definitely needed. Um, and, but guess what happened, right? My first time drinking after seven years, uh, nothing happened really. I felt a little funny. Uh, I put one shelf on backwards and my wife laughed at me. And that was pretty much the extent of the first time I drank again. And to be honest, it was a good time. And it was good for a long time. For a long time, uh, my relationship with alcohol was, was good for almost a year. Uh, but a few months back, I started to use alcohol for whatever reason as kind of self-medication to treat a light depression I was dealing with. And I never went into a completely out of control state of alcoholism. I didn't lose a job or cheat or end up in jail or with a DUI. I've been to those places, some of those places before in the past, but that just didn't happen. That didn't happen to me. But after months of drinking and trying to stop and then drinking again, I realized I had never really felt miserable. And I never felt more lost and more spiritually bankrupt um, than I had in the last couple of months. And my friends could, could tell, my wife could tell. I tried to ignore it, but up until 20 days ago, I didn't want to, to admit that maybe I had a, an issue with alcohol. Because who does, right? Alcohol's awesome. Beer tastes amazing. I love scotch. I love the bar culture and, and fine wine and fine foods and mashing and pairing. They're good things. But the problem was for me in this case is that alcohol is for me a solution to a problem that I have deep within me. That could be spiritual or emotional or psychological, but it really is, I use it as a solution to a deeper problem within me. I love alcohol, not because it, it tastes good, but for me, it works for a while. 
it works as the solution. And then inevitably I start to feel worse off than I did before. I start to lose trust in myself and friends and family. And I end up spiraling down out of control and self-misery, self-pity, depression, so on and so forth. So, so 20 days ago, and I'm being real with you guys. I know this is, this is not usual, but 20 days ago, I had a moment of clarity and I knew that it was time for something to happen, time for me to stop. But the problem is it's hard to stop for me. If you're an alcoholic, you know this feeling. If you're an addict, you truly understand how hard it is to stop. So I thought to myself, how am I ever gonna escape this grip of depression and addiction hanging over me, my family, like a storm that's getting heavier and darker as each day goes by? How will I conjure up a miracle, the miracle of sobriety? Because I know miracles, man, those things are really hard to control. You know, Jesus, though, has taught us in scripture a pattern of giving up or relinquishing our control. So two, two weeks ago, my friend invites me for like a boys weekend out in the mountains to go fly fishing. It's actually a long weekend, four days. Um, and something happens every time I go to the mountains. So even though my wife and I are busy with our three kids and multiple jobs, she knew I needed to go. She probably just wanted me out of the house, to be honest. And I, I, I couldn't believe it when I asked and she said yes, because we just have so much going on. So I made sure to ask like 10 times to be safe because I know that sometimes yes can mean no. So I kept asking and then finally I could tell she wanted me to really do just to leave. And, and I kind of saw uh, uh, something going on inside of her and why she wanted me to go. And, and so I went and when I was up there, we, we had a great time. We, we drank, we fished all day, but it, 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 but it was my plan on the last day of the trip to stop drinking, at least to try to stop drinking. And I'm not like drinking a lot every day. It's just enough uh, to make me feel depressed and under control. And when the last day came, that's exactly what I did. And this is when things get pretty interesting. Remember that I had been sober before for almost 10 years and I was sober from heroin and alcohol and everything for a while. And, and we're driving home and I'm, I'm, oh, it's overlooking the high Sierras because we're in the mammoth area. And, and it's that beauty only those mountains can behold. If you've been up there, you know the feeling. It's almost like a spiritual experience, this feeling uh, on the right day, it's just amazing. And after spending four, out, four days in the mountains, you suddenly become more aware and you're able to listen to what's going on inside of you. And I'm driving home and I'm taking all this beauty in. When I decide to turn on my phone and look down at the date, and guess what I saw? The day I decided to stop drinking to get sober again was my original sobriety date. And my jaw dropped and hit the floor in disbelief. Look, here, here's the thing. The depression and the alcohol made me completely spiritually dry again. 
completely spiritually bankrupt. It wasn't that I wasn't an atheist or anything that I didn't believe in God or whatever. That would actually have been better because I'd been critically thinking about God. I didn't even care. I was completely apathetic to God and spirituality. I didn't want to think about God or anything like spirituality. And all of a sudden I'm sitting in the passenger seat of my friend's van in the high Sierras, overwhelmed by God's presence and provision in my life. So I get home after that trip and I tell Amy and she's like, yep, I knew something was going to happen if you just went up there. And, and I mean, here, here's the thing. I had a radical spiritual experience in rehab 10 years prior to this, right? And when I fell back into drinking again, I thought it would be completely impossible for something like that to happen again. I mean, those types of miracles, those types of experiences, they only are like one in a lifetime experiences for some people. A lot of people, it doesn't happen ever. And here I am 15 days today or about that, I'll check out my, my app. I have it right here. I can't do math, so I could probably just count. Uh, 13 days. 13 days today, uh, sober from drinking. And I could tell you right now, and I'm completely, something in me completely shifted into a new reality. And this is what we're talking about today, coincidentally. We've been going through the Lord's Prayer in Luke, and this week, it, it, it falls on this passage that I get to preach, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I don't know how many times it's going to take for me to realize God's real and working in me, but check this out. Due to COVID, there aren't any like Alcoholics Anonymous meetings going on or AA meetings going on in person. So I downloaded that app that I just showed you. And in the app, they have a section of the big book. That's the official AA book that was put together by the Oxford group and Dr. Bill, and it's grounded in scripture, in particular, 1 Corinthians 13, which emphasizes God's relentless love and patience with us. It also is grounded in the Sermon on the Mount, which emphasizes God's deep passion for the poor and the powerless and the vulnerable, and also the book of James in order to give us a path on how to work out our spiritual malady by participating in a life of service and care towards those who are broken and lost. But anyways, in this section, it's called Upon Awakening. And since August 17th, I've been reading this section of the big book of AA on this app every morning, followed by a set of prayers from uh, the big book, St. Francis of Assisi and Thomas Merton. But, but check it out. I want to, I want to read this, 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 this uh, section of the book that I've been reading every morning. It says this. On awaking, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day before we begin. We ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonesty of self-seeking motives. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance, for after all, God gave us brains to use. Our thought life will be, a, will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. In thinking about our day, we may face indecision. We may not be able to determine which course to take. Here we ask for inspiration, an intuitive thought or a decision. We relax, we take it easy. We don't struggle. We are often surprised how the right answer comes after we have tried this for a while. 
What used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. Being still in experience and having just made conscious contact with God, it is not probable that we are going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption and all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking as time passes be more and more on the plane of inspiration. We come to rely upon it. We usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we have been shown all through the day what our next step is to be, that we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. We are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. If circumstances warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. If we belong to a religious denomination which requires a definite morning devotion, we attend to that also. If not, members of religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few set of prayers which emphasize the principles we have been discussing. There are many helpful books, also suggestions about these may be obtained from one's priest, minister, or rabbi. But quick, be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they offer. As we go through the day, we pause. When agitated or doubtful, and ask for the right thought or action. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, and this is the part I wanna share with you this morning, thy will be done. Thy will be done. And I'll stop there. I had no idea when I started this that I was going to be preaching on this passage because I'm really not good at planning. And I always look at my scripture that I'm preaching on um, about three days before I preach. But I, I've been doing this for 13 days, reading this on awakening every morning. And it says, thy will be done. Thy will be done. So I'm going throughout my day trying to gain a grip on reality and and, and every time I had a weird or selfish motive go through my head or I just felt out of control, I would be repeating those words, thy will be done over and over. I must have said thy will be done or thy kingdom come, thy will be done over and over, maybe 50,000 times this week. And here I am this morning preaching on this. My sister-in-law, who's kind of like a com contemplative mystic type person said to me, how many times will it take for you to get it? That God is real and present in your life, Chad. In AA, they often say something like this will happen 999 times, and it won't be until the thousandth time that you actually get it. And that's what it's like for me for some reason. I'm stubborn. Um, I have a spiritual illness or something. I don't know. But every time I prayed, and prayed, I would experience a little bit less anxiety, a little more freedom, and eventually fall into a path that was better than my own path. Instant, instantly, my life got a bit easier. Amy and the kids felt safer, and in general, my presence was lighter, and to be honest, I felt more free than ever. And this is the kingdom of God for those who suffer. 
God's kingdom is righteousness and peace, as Jesus says. These things I felt far from just two weeks ago, now I felt were like the center of my life. And today I am overwhelmed by the grace of God. And this is what it means to to walk in step and in tune with God, to pray, thy will be done and become attentive to God throughout your day and then put that into action, to share that and to demonstrate that good news to the world. Because to be honest, we all know that prayer can be difficult because I think we make it difficult. We tend to over-spiritualize prayer and thus make it almost unattainable, right? Prayer, though, is neither sacred nor secular. It is like breath, or it should be at least. Because breath is neither sacred or secular, it simply is something we just naturally do. And this is what prayer ought to be like. We ought to live in a pattern of God's will as Jesus followers, but this does come with some practice. And this prayer guides us into how to start this journey. I don't know about you, but have you ever sat around and really like thought about your breath and not in like a meditative intentional way, but just like, oh my gosh, why am I breathing? And what is that? Why is it? Well, what, what is that? And if you're anything like me, um, I start to kind of panic and get a little bit anxious when I start to overthink that. And I think the same thing happens when we think about prayer too much. We become anxious or overwhelmed or uh, apathetic to it and we just push it away. To overthink it leads to monotony or anxiety and it begins to become something other we eventually ignore or give up on. But prayer is not something we use to control God or to control outcomes. It is a way that we can align ourselves with God's purpose in our own life and in the world. And this is exactly what God's kingdom is for. It's for you and I. God's kingdom is a gift given to those who desperately seek it. But it's also, as Jesus says, in our midst always. It's hard to see, but sometimes it just smacks you right in your face like it did to me 13 days ago. But we also know that God's kingdom isn't a personal thing only, right? It is a communal and it's even a, it's even extends out into the cosmos because God reigns over all. And if you're like me, you're probably curious on what God's kingdom is, um, It was the message, as you probably know, that Jesus spoke the most about. It was central to the gospel. And scripture says it's obviously God's reign in the world. And we know that God is what? God is love. So God's kingdom is love. It's full of love. It is righteousness. It is purity. It is peace. It is full of justice. It is truth. It is mercy. It is compassion. So essentially, God's kingdom is the way it ought to be for you and for me and for the entirety of creation. And in today's world, with greed and power-hungry leadership and fallen and broken systems that cause massive amounts of oppression that leads to death of many innocent people, or the idolatry and ideology of people that are participating in systems of violence and injustice and can't see it. I mean, more than ever, the anti-kingdom is more visible. 
which means more than ever, we need people who are truly present. People who are aware and unanxious, who are full of love, full of compassion, unafraid, ready to stand for justice. Citizens of a different kind of kingdom, willing to stand up to the power of the oppressor. People willing to lay down their own power for the sake of the other. Not a story of self-will run riot. Not a story of grasping after our own power or our own control. But as Jesus displayed, a giving up of our own power. One that relinquishes our own will. Or as he says, dying to self to discover that actually that's where real power lies. The power of love and justice and compassion. Because that's the path Jesus revealed, right? When he emptied himself, when he chose to become a slave, when he chose to go up on a cross, which was a symbol to be cursed by God, the highest power. He relinquished his control, his power, his will, and gave it up to God for the sake of the world, for the, to set the captive free and to reveal another way a way of true power, a way of service, and ultimately true love. And that's what this world needs now more than ever, for thy will to be done, for the kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And we, as Christ followers, if you are, have the opportunity to be a part of this. First through prayer, and then through action. To choose to give up our own power and to use our privilege to care for those who don't have it. To ask for God's will to be done in our lives so we can participate in his kingdom on earth. To be an unanxious presence in an anxious world because we know, we know that Jesus will always have enough bread for us but more importantly, for the others too. So we don't have to worry anymore. We don't have to grab and grasp at everything around us. We get to open our hands and give it away for free. So as we end, as we end today, I would like to say the Lord's Prayer. We're going to say it again later on, but I want to say it again as we end here today. One last time. Um, so if you'll join me in saying the Lord's Prayer as we step into a different reality together and then step out into the world being representatives, citizens of a better kingdom than our own. So let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.